the funniest people I know. These are the funniest people I know. Said improv riffing, callers and sketches, characters and interviews, and then some more sketches. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest people I know. Hello, world. We're coming to you live from Atlanta. I was just about to compliment you that you haven't done that in a month, and then you did it. So you get no compliment. So close. I think in my head I always hear live from New York, it's Saturday night. Mm. So you just every week are casting yourself in Saturday Night Live? Yeah, effectively. With your host, Will Amato. <laughs> oh, hello. And hello. musical guest, TJ. Hey. You oh. do that voice so well, George. Ooh. I know. I'm going to try to get that job. Just the guy who announces who the host is. <laughs> Can Watch you it. tell me on a game show what I've just won? A new car. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yes, George. Can you tell me that my STD results are negative? Mm-hmm. No, but you got a <laughs> lifetime supply of soup. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> All right, what kind? Campbell's tomato soup. Mmm, <laughs> tastes like can. I'm good. <laughs> the taste of can in a can. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Wow, there's just so much happening in our lives. <laughs> TJ, what brought on this next segment? I know you're going to tell us about the meeting of life. Give us some background. I initially proposed this segment as a joke to reach a full 10 ideas, but it seems... (laughs) (laughs) We require 10 ideas minimum at every pitch meeting. Exactly. It seems as though George has called my bluff, and so here it goes. Um, (laughs) I believed you. I thought you reached some sort of... I don't know. I don't know what I was doing at the time, but I was just like, here's some ideas. Was it hazy? I I have an idea. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, let's see what you came up with, TJ. This is yeah. a good exercise. Well, I'll start off by quoting the world's most famous philosophers, such as Plato, who says life is about attaining the most knowledge, or Aristotle, who says it's just about being happy, and Whoopi Goldberg, who says, we're here for a reason. I believe a bit of the reason is to throw little torches out to lead people through the dark. That I'm dodging because I don't want to catch fire. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't tell you the meaning of life. At only 25. <laughs> TJ, but here sorry. it goes. 10 things I've learned so far. If you feel yourself getting heated, it just takes 10 seconds to cool down. Oddly, the same length as the song Happy Birthday. Unless it's being sung to you, then it's truly five hours. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hate what you said in the heat of the moment, even if you know in your heart you were next in line for karaoke. Don't die on hills, die on mountains. Second, don't beat yourself up about that one thing you said way back when you were clearly next for karaoke night. The only person who truly even remembers it is you. Regrets cause stress. Stress causes acid reflux, and acid reflux causes heartburn, which is never fun at 3 (laughs) a.m. There's nothing too big that time can't heal, and there's no mistake that can't be fixed, and nothing that can't eventually be forgiven, except for possibly murder. And wearing camo cargo shorts. With <laughs> there. To my birthday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Third, don't murder. Be kind to one another. <laughs> if someone is being mean to you, it's always either a misunderstanding or they just have something else going on in their lives that caused them to lash out. So try to be forgiving. Fourth, it's never too late to improve and change yourself. I've seen people find personal growth at every age, such as people graduating from college in their 90s to skydiving in their hundreds. No matter your age, it's never too late to learn a new skill. Quit a bad habit or make a career change and accomplish a dream. Age is just a number. Number five, you can't be anyone but yourself, so own it. 
you are who you are, and the haters are just jealous that you possess the confidence they've yet to find within themselves. RuPaul said it best when she said, If you can't love yourself, then how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Oh, thank you. Number six, <laughs> confidence is the sexiest thing in the world, and confidence is found through self-acceptance. And self-acceptance is the hardest but greatest journey you'll ever take. But I congratulate anyone who finds it. Number seven, keep those who lift you up close. Those are your friends, and these people know you the best. They will tell you the truth. They will make you laugh, and they know you more than you know yourself sometimes. It's better to drink with them than alone. Number eight, life is not a sprint, nor is it a marathon. It's actually an enjoyable lazy river where you relax, juggling, meet new people, and pee wherever you want. <laughs> so don't feel like you must be married by 19, have kids by 20, and a successful acting career by 37. Unless you're Sofia Vergara, then please respond to my DMs, because I really want to be on Modern Family. <laughs> Number nine, please take care of your body. It's the only one you'll ever have. Eat healthy, exercise, ask at least three separate friends for their opinion before you get that Little Mermaid tattoo of Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> Number 10, lastly, please take care of your mind and your soul, especially in today's world. Don't keep anything buried. Talk to someone, whether it's a friend, a colleague, a family member, or a therapist, or a stranger on a bus. No worry or burden is worth carrying on your own. You're never alone, and there's always someone who's willing to help. Thank you. That's really deep. Oh, thanks, you guys. I kind of want a courthouse now just so that I can put TJ's commandments out front. I know, right? Those were great lessons, TJ. I like that. (laughs) I'm moved. I feel a little tear in the corner. When is TJ the person who's right in the room? I know, right? It's weird. That was a weird three minutes. This is actually profound. (laughs) What what does it say about me? Okay, move on. Well, thanks, TJ. I think you know more than you look like you know. Sometimes I forget my own advice, but it's good to write things down. I'm terrible at that, and that's why I want to do in this whole New Year journal. But this isn't the New Year. It's famously August. No, I'm turning a new age. Your New Year, got you. Yeah. Ah, right. You're about to be, we're not going to say. Yeah, 25. Oh, (laughs) great. That's a number. (laughs) Well, you know, TJ... You're not the only one who's had doubts in your life. I want to read a piece that actually I've used at several auditions. Mm -hmm. uh, And I won't tell you what it's from because, well, I think you'll know. Oh. This is a sort of actor's graveyard piece Mm -hmm. that actually has served me quite well over the years (laughs) and gotten me several roles. Oh, wow. I didn't promise anybody anything. What do I know about Hollywood anyways? Just the dreams I got sitting through too many double features. Miss Piggy, (laughs) why did I leave the swamp in the first place? (laughs) Because some agent fellow said, Hollywood, the dream factory, the magic store, you got talent, kid. I mean, you get your tongue fixed, and who knows? You could make millions of people happy. He probably says that to everybody. And now it's not just me feeling miserable, but now I've got a pig, a bear and a dog, (laughs) a chicken and a thing whatever gonzo is he's a little like a turkey (laughs) i brought them all out here to the middle of nowhere and i'm just not sure where to turn but then i feel lucky because i have you miss piggy ever since we met i have this strong affinity for pork (laughs) 
especially bacon. And together we can do anything. Kermit of the Swamp and you, Miss Piggy, from the sty. That's it. Okay, okay. Bravo. Can you do the Kermit voice? Not well. Uh, mm-hmm. No, and I can you I, do it poorly? It's like hello, Kermit the Frog here. Oh my gosh. Okay. Hello, Kermit the Frog. Here. Nope, not yeah. really. I mean, that sounds here. like DJ. Yeah. Hello, Miss Piggy. <laughs> oh, why did I leave the swamp oh, in the first place? I'd oh. have to work a lot on. Oh, Miss Piggy, there it is. Doing Gonzo. Well, maybe I can do it better than I thought. That's it's like Kermit from Fargo. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's in Minnesota. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I saw some blood there on the blood there. <laughs> All right, that's enough. People halfway through realize this sincere piece is from the Muppets, and it always killed. Did you change that? Is that really his whole monologue? The whole thing is original, mm-hmm. except I wrote the affinity for pork line and the bacon line. And I might have written the sty line as well. So, okay, the, so you wrapped it up. But mm-hmm. the bits where he said chicken, a bear, and it, all that's original. <laughs> that's really, really funny. <laughs> that's yeah. good. I guess I did. Funny, I didn't even realize. I was sort of writing jokes long before I was ever writing jokes. <laughs> what drew you to Kermit's monologue? I think when you did Fences uh-huh. for us, which at the time you did it was a completely inappropriate monologue, mm-hmm. looking back, I think... I just loved the Muppets and did what I loved. I didn't really know any better. Mm-hmm. To be fair, this was for theme park land and stuff as well. But I would look in monologue books and then they would go, oh, go read plays. And I would read plays. Right. And, oh, come on. There's so few pieces that aren't so overdone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where I think about halfway through or maybe I was probably an actor in terms of a professional, quote unquote, actor for 10 years mm-hmm. where that was my sole living. About halfway through, I realized, oh, I don't have to do this right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just have to do something that's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. interesting. And interesting. And it's about capturing the audience. So then I started treating auditions like little performances. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I was starting to write stuff and do these little sad man pieces. And that actually ended up getting me more work than when I was trying to be an actor. So that was an old piece from the actor's graveyard. That was yeah. really clever. Yes. Have you seen The Muppets, TJ? Yes. Which one? The original? The movie, not individual Muppets. Wait. <laughs> not Have You Met Gonzo. No, wait. There are two movies, though, right? There Christmas were several. Carol mm-hmm. and there's Treasure Island. Yeah, and there's The Muppets Take Manhattan. Oh, no. Lost the in Space. Movie. No, I have not. A great Muppet caper. The original is the best. Oh, I thought there was only two. Tim Curry has a great cameo in that I movie. just love the great Muppet caper. Yeah, it makes I me do. really happy. What's that Muppet I got the paper towels. There's a new Muppet movie that his brother did, right? With Siegel? Melissa McCartney? Yes, yeah. yes, there was. What is that called? Jason Segel loved. Oh, you're Jimmy talking about that bad movie, the one that you watched Isn't earlier Steve this Carell year. I think it's good. I think he's talking about with Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, it's like it Happy Town. Yeah, Happy Town Murders. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, that was a Muppet pair. It was his brother, Jim Henson's brother, who made the movie. So but Jason Segel did. I think he did a Muppet. He movie. did the Muppet movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, folks, we've got a brand new segment on the show, and Alexandria, you are the professional actor in the room. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) This came across my desk recently, Mm -hmm. and no one really knows that this exists. Very few people. This is a forgotten Bible story from one of Jesus's disciples. Oh, Lord. (laughs) I thought it would be cool to share this on the podcast. It's got a really cool moral at the end. And Alexandria, just to be clear, you've never seen this before. So folks listening at home, this is a cold read. So I'm just going to hand this across the table to Alexandria. And we're going to hear this forgotten Bible story. I'm nervous, (laughs) y'all. 
1906. A few minutes after... 1906? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Good Lord. A few minutes after the Industrial Revolution and a generation before the Dust Bowl, two miserly neighbors lived on either side of Cold Crap Creek. <laughs> One shoreline was occupied by a three-legged dwarf called Mickey McNoof. On the other side lived a bitter old turtle woman called Tilda Go Go Tilda Go Fudget Go Fu- Go Fudget. Tilda was called the Turtle Woman on account of her rounded back, green scaly skin, and affinity for a piping hot pizza. <laughs> oh, Cold Crap Creek was an ugly creek in the heart of Galilee and named after the hundreds of ranchers who lived upstream and performed their daily ablutions into the thick, slow-moving water every evening after a hearty supper of jalapeno chili. The spicy stank from Cold Crap Creek was so dreadfully pungent that a deep inhale caused the dirty street orphans and the elderly woman to become disoriented and grouchy. On winter days, by the time a warm steaming river reached Mickey McNoof and his neighbor, Tilda Gofugget, (laughs) (laughs) the cold crap crystallizes and creates a sludgy mucus that's about the same consistency as soft-serve Chocolate ice cream. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, that's grim. What is happening? (laughs) Mickey McNoof earned his living raising egg-laying hens. Every morning, McNoof would visit each hen to collect an egg. The hens were called Stinky, Shorty, Stupid, Sleazy, Sneezy, Snowball, Slimy, Sprocket, Speedo, Spork, Spoons, Beano, and Fred. (laughs) (laughs) No. Folks traveled from miles around to taste a McNoof egg until the great fire of 1908 when McNoof had to evacuate his entire flock. In an act of desperation, McNoof stuffed his hot chickens into his travel luggage and hopped across Cold Crap Creek to ask the turtle woman, Tilda Gofugged, for help. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Tilda was a renowned tattoo artist (laughs) whose only talent was creating tattoos of rare jungle birds. She was busy popping flies into her mouth like popcorn and recovering from a particularly strenuous golden finch tattoo earlier that morning with McNoof burst through the door with a squawking box of full hens. Tilda go fuck it, he said. (laughs) I know we have our differences, but I need your help. My hut is burning, and my chickens are suffering from smoke inhalation. Tilda eyed her enemy suspiciously, took a hearty draw of her opium pipe, (laughs) and said, Very well. Together, they determined that the chickens were beyond saving. 
After giving the hens a cuddle and kissing each one goodbye, Mickey McNuth and Tilda Gofugget sliced the hens into manageable bite-sized pieces. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. In a stone bowl, they threw together salt, pepper, breadcrumbs, fresh cream, and rolled the pieces of fresh chicken around and around. Did they make chicken parmesan? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> They dipped the breaded chicken in the hot oil and with grease dripping down their chins, enjoyed the hot, crispy delight of the first piece of fried chicken in history. Using the money from their invention, they built a bridge over Cold Crap Creek and became the best of friends. The moral of the story is, if you're a McNuth and your neighbors go fug it, hop across Cold Crap Creek. You'll invent the McNugget. <laughs> <laughs> You're so stupid. Wow. I hate you. Wow. First of all, the struggle. Why would you make me say Cold Crap Creek? I can't. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. There's lots of reasons things happen. We can't always explain it in hindsight. Thank you. You did a great job with that story, Alexandria. That's incredible. I didn't know that story. That is really fascinating. I- TJ, had you heard that story before? No. Maybe once? No, I'd never heard it. Even when you were eating meat, you never wondered how you got your McNugget? No. I wonder if there was a creek involved in this creation. Gosh, it sounds like a a fevered nightmare. (laughs) That's that's how McNuggets feel. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. what happens. Mm -hmm. That's true. Imagine being one of those chickens caught in the fire. (sighs) Well, thank you, Alexandria. That was great. We're going to have more info coming across our desk, I know, in the future. So, folks, if you've got a story, a good monologue, or something (sighs) that Alex has never seen and you'd like her to read it on the air, email us at funniestpeopleiknow at gmail. (laughs) George, teach, man. Teach and preach. I know you've got some knowledge to drop like it's hot. Okay. (laughs) To steal a line from Alex, I don't know who needs to hear this, but we need to talk about tariffs. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, my my favorite subject. Yeah, tariffs. And this is why people listen to comedy podcasts, because they want to hear about tariffs. But this (laughs) is important. we got to talk about this, because this affects all of us. We gave you Cold Crap Creek. The least you can do is hear about tariffs for a minute. To the audience who doesn't know, can you explain tariffs real quickly? Yes, in fact. Tariffs (laughs) are taxes. Thank you. They have a fancy name, but they're taxes. They're charged on imported goods. Oh. Some people think that it is... A punishment to the country that the tariff is charged to. Uh huh. Right. But they're not. They're paid by the person who bought the thing. Let me give you an example. Let's say you decide to buy a new Honda instead of a new Ford. Mm-hmm. Now, you might have a much more reliable vehicle, but you also have to pay the United States government a premium for the privilege of not buying an American car. That is a tariff. Now, you might ask, doesn't Honda pay that? Mm-hmm. But Honda is basically just spotting you the money. It's like if I went to buy you and me Beyonce tickets mm-hmm. and I asked you to pay me back, <laughs> right? did I pay the ridiculous fees or did you pay the ridiculous fees on your ticket? Even though I paid it up front, when you pay me back for it, you're covering the fee. Right. Now, Honda, unlike me, is also going to charge you a premium just for having spotted that. So you're actually mm-hmm. paying more than that tax costs for that premium. Another example. Let's say you're a small business owner slash podcaster 
who's <laughs> opening a restaurant and you're in debt up to your eyes and you're ordering restaurant equipment, mm-hmm. stainless steel tables mm-hmm. and sinks and things like that. And let's say you had a bid and one week you've got one price. And then on Monday, when you call to purchase the items, mm-hmm. all the prices have gone up over $1,200. Because of tariffs. Oh my god! Right, that this is a tariff. Person. China ain't paying that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I am, and ultimately, I'm not eating that cost. I'm going to make my beers and burgers more expensive. So to be clear, tariffs are taxes that are not paid by countries, but by customers. Oh. So the next time oh. you hear some blowhard uh-huh. <laughs> tell you that a tariff right. is a punishment mm-hmm. on a country. For not being European, mm-hmm. that is BS. <laughs> You're paying for that in the premium in your guacamole. So when they say we're raising tariffs on China, they're mm-hmm. really charging the consumers more, ultimately. Yes. When they say we're raising tariffs on China, they mean we're raising tariffs on people who buy things from China. So if you've ever shopped at a Walmart, yeah. we're raising prices on you. Right, so like everything in the store is just going to go up by however yeah, much. Because Walmart's not going to cover that. They don't Seriously? like you that much. Right? Have you seen their products? Okay. <laughs> well, I hope yeah, they don't even our... make their chairs sturdy. <laughs> well, George, that was illuminating. TJ, is that what you thought tariffs were? Well, I hope this never happens, honestly. Yeah, it'd be terrible. It would be horrible if yeah. just people were arbitrarily raising tariffs because they figured out it's the only thing they can do without having checks from other branches mm-hmm. of government. So... Mm-hmm. Just if in case that, that ever happens. Just yeah. in case, in yeah. the unlikely event that that were to happen in America. Yeah, right. that's a public service we can provide. We're educating people on things that might could happen one day, but mm-hmm. probably wouldn't. Right, yeah. just so that you're in the know, because knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Make it a musical number, and I'll fully understand. I feel like it should be like an episode of Black Mirror. I'm now feeling inspired to write a tariff song. I was yes. just thinking that. Yeah. You know, Will gave me this weird side eye, like mm. I had said something really awesome. Mm. <laughs> He's like, ooh. ooh. An explanation of tariffs in song, yeah. Hamilton style. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you rap, it's too fast for me. I, I can't keep up. <laughs> well, yeah. it needs a nice George. ballad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to keep talking about presidents because it's President's Month, President's Year. There's an election coming up. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. I did a little research because lately presidential slogans have become a huge part of a campaign. Yeah. And you could argue have a direct outcome on what happens in the election. Mm-hmm. So I want to start in the year 1840. Okay. <laughs> the first common popular viral, if you will, mm-hmm. presidential slogan was mm-hmm. Tip a Canoe and Tyler Two. Oh yeah, that one's famous. When William Henry Harrison defeated Tecumseh at the Battle of Tippecanoe. Okay. Okay. Tecumseh was this very renowned Native American war general at the Battle of Tippecanoe and William Henry Harrison beat him. But you know what? Despite that great slogan, mm-hmm. he lost the election to Martin Van Buren, who used the slogan Independent Treasury and Liberty. Which to Stop me it. Says <laughs> so arousing. Severe lack of imagination. But he still won. I'm swooning over here. Boom, <laughs> Van Buren. I think you calmed down a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, which little... one's more chantable, though? Oh, no. Tip a Canoe and Tyler, too. Yeah, it's great. Totally. That's a hashtag right there. Yeah. yeah. Franklin Pierce ran in 1852 with this great slogan based on the presidency of James Polk in 1844. 
we poked you in 44, we shall pierce you in 52. No, no, no sorry. Keep it. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much wrong with that. Well, you say that, but he won against Winfield Scott, who ran on the slogan, First in war, first in peace. That's just because nobody wanted to get poked by Winfield Scott. Right. They didn't want to see what the poking <laughs> That was a protest vote. <laughs> Franklin Pierce, the 14th president, if you're listening, mm. you are arguably the worst, sorry, second worst president in the history of the United States. He was, yeah, those fighting words. He was basically responsible for the Civil War because of his absolute inability to prevent the war, when instead of bringing people together, he doubled down and signed the Kansas-Nebraska Act, causing an irresponsible fracture between the North and the South that led to the bloodiest battle in American history. So I say... You, Franklin Pierce. I don't think you can say that on public radio. Jane, Jane, Jane. Jane. Presidential slogan puns really peaked four years later in 1856 between John Fremont and James Buchanan. Fremont ran on free soil, free labor, free speech, free men, Fremont. That's too long. Mm, nah. But he lost to James Buchanan, who again ran on a pun. We poked him in 44, we pierced him in 52, we'll buck him in 56. I, no. I, what? No, stop. Mm -mm, nobody uh, wants to get bucked. No. Well. The innuendo is too much. <laughs> His nickname was Old Buck, and so that's where that came from. Because he was a sorry old buck. Let's <laughs> oh. see what you did there. <laughs> Moving on to 1860, I want to talk about Abraham Lincoln, who ran on the slogan, Vote yourself a farm and horses. Wait, 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 do that again, do that again, what did he say? <laughs> Vote yourself a farm and horses. Th that's not the slogan of the greatest president of all time. <laughs> that is the real slogan of Abraham Lincoln. Now, so bad, so bad. That slogan was in favor of a law that was granting homesteads in the American West, mm -hmm. where you could say, I'll live here for five years and make this land nice, and then I get to keep it. If you're thinking, is that still a thing? Because it sounds like a great idea. I already checked. It was abolished in 1976. Lincoln also won with a famous slogan in his second term, Honest Ole Abe. But Lincoln's most famous slogan happened during his re-election campaign in 1864 when he ran on Don't Change Horses Midstream, which became one of the most famous slogans in presidential history since America is so full of conflict and has so many streams. <laughs> it was used again in 1944 by Franklin Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. So anytime there is something going on, which there always is mm -hmm. during a re-election year, they always go, don't change horses midstream. Mm. So that comes from Lincoln. Thanks, Lincoln. Yeah. Samuel Tilden unsuccessfully tried to rip off Honest Old Abe with the slogan, Honest Sam Tilden. <laughs> <laughs> In 1876. Okay. But he lost to Rutherford B. Hayes, which may have also been because of his second slogan, uh -huh. Tilden or Blood. <laughs> mm. They need a publicist. <laughs> they need Kellyanne Conway. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's exactly. And finally, I can't bring us all the way to modern times because there's just too many great, wonderful slogans. But I do want to end on this. James Blaine ran against Grover Cleveland with the slogan, Mama, where's my pa? In reference to an allegation that Grover Cleveland fathered an illegitimate child. Oh, okay. So they'd be at a rally, Mama, where's my pa? Which is kind of saying, you fathered this child. They would shout it out. God. Despite this slogan, Cleveland won the election. After he did, Cleveland supporters rewrote the slogan. Mama, where's my pa? Gone to the White House. Ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> that's just rubbing it in. That's so tacky. Gloating a little? Just mm. a little bit. I just love that they're defined. And it doesn't matter anything about these babies or whatever. He's still in the White House, mm-hmm. sucker. <laughs> Those Cleveland supporters, they nothing. Mm. Oh, bunch of jerks. That ends part one. I got okay. us all the way to 1876. The rest of it I'm going to do on another episode where we talk more about presidential slogans because they just get weirder and weirder as we get through history. Do you, any of you have ideas for what your slogan could be? Mm. Yeah, I have one, and I'll tell you guys off the air. I don't think I should say it on the air, but I will tell you all off the air. Please check out Funniest People I Know After Dark. (laughs) Well, folks, this brings us to the end of another episode of the Funniest People I Know podcast. Thank you so much. Keep the donations coming in. We really appreciate it. We're trying to continue to pay off TJ's Banana Republic credit card balance. Mm-hmm. Thank you. He keeps guys. going there trying to meet that guy. Yeah. That's well, right. You know, I feel like I have to buy something every time. <laughs> paying at least $25. So. Can I hit on your cashier? I'll buy something. <laughs> Ooh, he's canceling nice. Well, folks, write us in if you have any ideas for the show, anything you'd like to see, or any comments you have about previous episodes. We're having a great time. We hope you are, too. That does it for this episode of The Funniest People I Know. We broadcast on Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. on the Georgia Radio Reading Service, and the podcast is available Sundays on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or you can ask Alexa to play The Funniest People I Know. Please, folks, help us spread the word, rate, review, and subscribe. Contact us on Twitter and Instagram at Funniest People I Know or email funniestpeopleiknow at gmail.com. Have yourselves a hilarious week.